welcome once again to Raging and Eating. This is Rossi, better known as Chef Rossi. And I'm talking to you the week of Valentine's Day, which of course is all about romance and love and yada, yada, yada. But you know, it's also a lot of pressure, let's face it. I started talking about this last week, as you may recall. Anyway, what I've been thinking about more than love and romance is like all of the things not to do on Valentine's Day. I mean, I've seen them all. First of all, I've made quite a few of those mistakes. But second of all, as a chef and a caterer, I've really seen them all. So I give an example. Let's say you're like kind of one of those alpha male or alpha she-male types, you know, you just really want to be in charge and you have a whole ego thing that you want to be the one to place the orders so that your lady or gentleman will feel taken care of. And so you go out to the gorgeous romantic restaurant with the view of the water and the candlelight or the fake candlelight because no one really lights candles anymore. They have those LED things which are Not really the same, but, you know, hey, whatever. And you order for the object of your affection, your lady love or your gentleman love or, you know, whoever your love is. And you order what what you think is the sexiest possible thing that you could order on Valentine's Day. And you decide that's going to be a nice, juicy steak. But the problem is that you haven't actually taken a moment to find out if the object of your affection is a vegetarian or not. So you order for her or him this big juicy steak and your your, uh, lovey-dovey is a total vegetarian. So that's already a disaster. It's a disaster because they can't eat the steak and it's a disaster because they think you are an egotistical idiot who ordered a steak for them without even asking if they ate meat. So let's say you're a little bit smarter and you go a step further to make sure that the object of your affection is or is not a vegetarian. So you say, oh, I'm just wondering, are you a vegetarian or a vegan? No, they are not. So you say, excellent, excellent, open season. And you go out and you have ordered them a big juicy steak. Except that you didn't go one step further to say, I know you're not a vegetarian, but do you eat beef? And it may well be that your lover-to-be or lovey-dovey is from India and their religion permits, you know, does not permit them to eat beef from the holy cow, you know? Holy cow, man. Anyway, so now you've really screwed that up. So let's say you're smart enough to ask not only are you not a vegetarian or a vegan, but do you eat red meat? And not only do you eat red meat, but in fact, do you eat red meat of the cow? And don't get me started. We love the cows. We've already said that cows give you the look of unconditional love. We know, we know. But, and they say, yes, I eat meat, I eat beef, And I love a good steak. So now you think home free. Not only do you know exactly what to order, but you're thinking this is excellent because the person I am so interested in likes to have a big juicy steak like I do. We have so much in common. 
were two people who believe in eating animals. That didn't sound very nice, but you know what I mean. So you order the big juicy steak for your lovey-dovey and you have it slathered. There's that word I love, as you know, slather, slathered in butter and topped with a ton of gorgonzola sauce. Now, I personally think anyone who orders their steak completely, you know, eliminated practically with gorgonzola sauce, like so covered that there's like a little steak and a lot of gorgonzola sauce. It's not really someone who likes steak. It's someone who likes gorgonzola. Because if you have a gorgeous steak, leave it the hell alone. You know what I mean? I'm just saying. But so, your lovey-dovey orders you the steak covered in butter and gorgonzola. Without even asking how you feel. And guess what? It comes out and you are lactose intolerant. Well, that hadn't come up, had it? So yes, you're not a vegetarian, and yes, you eat meat, and in fact, you love a good steak, but you cannot have dairy. And this steak is so drenched in dairy that there's hardly any steak under all that mountain of dairy. So let's say that our Don Juan has gone one step further and checked that you eat meat, you're not a vegetarian, you eat steak, and you're not lactose intolerant, and gone right ahead and ordered you that big juicy steak and decided to get a steak for two to share. Now that's a big sexy presentation. This giant Fred Flintstone T-bone or porterhouse. I mean, you feel like you're right back in like dinosaur times. And out it comes this gigantic steak on the bone, a big old Fred Flintstone porterhouse with like a ton of gorgonzola and a ton of butter and just everything's gorgeous. Except for the fact that you, since you are a major carnivore, have ordered that steak completely rare, what you might call black and blue, scorched on the outside and pretty much raw on the inside. And so now you're thinking, look at me, I ordered a very sexy thing, the big Fred Flintstone steak. I am just the sexiest creature alive. And your lovey-dovey-to-be, or so you're hoping, is thinking, what the hell is that? Because when she or he cuts into it, it's basically still mooing. And that is not how she likes her steak or he likes their steak at all. In fact, they would prefer a steak to be medium, not red inside, but pink inside, scorched on the outside. I know a lot about that because actually that's how I like my steak. I do not like to see it still bleeding and raw and rare or anything like that. I want it to be medium so it's pink inside and scorched on the outside and I don't want to see a lot of red juice coming out. Anyway... So, your little egotistical, I must order for you freak, has ordered this blood rare steak, and that's highly unappetizing for you. So, they're sitting there thinking, smell me, right? And you're thinking like, I'm going to barf. So, they cut off all the trimmings, the outer parts of the steak, when you explain that you don't eat your steak like that. They cut all the outer parts of the steak off. And so, basically, you get kind of the garbage of the steak the outer trimmings, which are always the fattiest parts, and they get pretty much the whole porterhouse or T-bone. And so you're highly depressed, and you're thinking, well, I got to eat something. So you make a meal out of the baked potato. 
you take the baked potato and you cover it in the gorgonzola and the butter and you have basically a baked potato dinner with beef trimmings. And you're sitting there thinking, you know, this is just like my childhood. That's why I don't like being a middle child. Everything went to my older sister or everything went to my baby brother and all I got were hand-me-downs or, you know, my mother was already so exhausted from having the older sister who was high maintenance and the younger brother who was premature and never stopped crying. And you're like, here I am again. All right, I'm projecting. That's my own thing. I admit it. But here I am again, getting the beef trimmings, the garbage of the plate and making a dinner out of a baked potato. Okay, so maybe some of this was me and maybe I'm not, you know, I'm pretending it's someone else, but it doesn't matter. You get my point. My point is that this whole egotistical trip did not work very well. But meanwhile, Mademoiselle Egotist or Mr. Egotist is sitting there thinking, well, smell me. I've just shown how smart I am that I solved the problem by trimming off the outer parts of the steak, which were more cooked. And this shows how highly intelligent I am. And I'm sure that I have really impressed my lovey-dovey over there. And your lovey-dovey over there is thinking, here I am having garbage in a potato dinner. Potato with a side order of garbage, like my childhood. That could be a great book. Potato with a side order of garbage, like my childhood. But you know what I mean. So, if, let's say, egotistical I must order for you went a step further and did something really intelligent, which was to make sure you weren't a vegetarian or a vegan or lactose intolerant and to ask you the temperature that you like your steak. And you said, I like it medium. I like it a little pink inside, but not red and really scorched on the outside. But egotistical, you know, yaya person really likes rare steak. So they order the big giant Fred Flintstone Tebow or Porterhouse just the way you like it. So now you're happy because you're having pink on the inside, scorched on the outside, not red, not bleeding, not disgusting on your, you know, what you think is disgusting. Other people would love it. And um, your little egotist is over there thinking they're feeling very depressed because they were really looking forward to that blood rare steak. And they wanted to see all that red, red, red because secretly they're really a vampire. And while they can't go around inviting people much as they'd like to, and they can't seem to get anyone to role play the vampire thing anymore, they were able to for a while in certain kinky clubs and S&M joints and they got the fake fangs and they did the whole role playing thing. Okay, that's projecting, but no, I never did that. I did a few other things, but never that. And they thought, surely I could at least suck the blood of a super rare steak and that's how I'd get my yayas. And instead, they're having the scorched on the outside and pink on the inside steak, and it's not doing it for them. And so they're depressed. And so as, you know, it gets to be further along in the meal, you get to that one crucial moment. So now you've had the steak cooked the way you like it, and they've been a little bit depressed because they didn't get, like, the vampire blood raw, rare steak. But they're thinking this is the moment of truth, and the moment of truth is the bone. And so every diehard carnivore at that point with the T-bone or the porterhouse, after sort of pretending that they're a high-rent sort of person and scraping away with the knife on the meat along the bone, it really comes down to they want to be chewing and sucking on that bone like an animal. And so egotist 
tries to be, you know, rather debonair and says, do you care for the bone? And you're saying, well, no, I've had my pink on the inside scorched on the outside steak, so I'm feeling okay, and it's not reminding me of my childhood. That was inadequate because I was a middle child. So, no, I don't also need to chew on the bone. Plus, you know what? I just spent $10,000 having an implant, and chewing on the bone might jeopardize that, and then I'd get it between my teeth, and I didn't bring dental floss, and dental floss, and it's a whole, you know, drama. But I digress. You know what I mean? So... Mr. or Mrs. Egotist says, well, then I shall take the bone. And then they're sitting there chewing on this gigantic bone like an animal. And so, okay, they were charming when they asked you out and they were charming on your couple of dates that you had. One was at Starbucks and one was a walk through the park where they had a saltine left from lunch and they fed it to the pigeons and you thought, what a nice, generous person. But now they're sucking on that bone like there's no tomorrow. And it's it's starting to seem to be a, just a little bit much, you know? So what is the moral to this story? Well, morals are a lot of work. I mean, if I had to give you a moral to every story I, I gave you, I'd just never leave the house. But the short answer is, unless you've been with someone for a million years and you know them inside and out and everything they love, And unless they ask you, would you please order for me because I'm old school and I want to be the femme and I want you to be the butch or I want to be the girl and I want you to be the boy or whatever, whatever you want to say. Don't friggin' order for them. Let them order their own food because even if they're not a vegetarian and even if they love steak, they might have had a big giant fatty hamburger for lunch and not really want any more red meat. Or they might have heard this place made a fantastic cauliflower steak and wanted to know, what's all the fuss about? I'm going to try the cauliflower steak. You don't know. So don't order for them. It's, you know, it's an egotistical, crappy thing to do for the most part. I mean, once in a while it feels nice, okay? I've been in that position of having someone order for me, you know, but she would say, would you mind if I ordered for you? And I would say, oh, I'd love that. But then I'd have to say, however, I don't eat pork or shellfish. I don't like to mix my meat and my dairy. I'm allergic to eggplant. I'm allergic to gluten. I try not to go over on the salt or the sugar. Believe me, by the time I'm done, nobody wants to order for me. You know what? I'm an erotic Jew with a million allergies and, you know, screw you. So the long and the short of this is for Valentine's Day, Do not order for the object of your affection unless you know them really well and unless they ask you to. So there you have it. Or else you're going to have this whole chazerai that I've just been explaining to you. Now, people go into the romance of Valentine's Day with a lot of different things in mind. I personally think the best thing to have in mind is how could I really make this person that I like or love or desire very happy. Let me try to find out as much as I can ahead of time what would make them very happy and try to give that to them, not by ordering for them, but by finding out. And if I'm cooking them a meal, let me really find out as much as I can. And then they're, they're going to feel cared about and loved because I've done exactly you know what would make them happy. But 
If your plan for Valentine's Day is that as much as yes, you would like to make the object of your affection happy and pleased and feel cared about, but you also want it to lead to a night of l'amour, some hot sex, like the kind of lovemaking that they only talk about in the movies and they only show in the movies, and in reality, really, how often in your life have you had that kind of lovemaking? I think maybe I've had it, I mean, not to get personal, but what else do I do? Maybe I've had it 22 and a half times in my entire life. So, and I've been around a lot longer than 22 and a half years. So there you have it. Anyway, but if you sit down and have a giant steak covered in butter and gorgonzola and a giant baked potato and fried onions, and then a huge slab of apple pie with ice cream, I mean, yes, all that sounds delicious, and I kind of want to eat all of that right now. But do you really think you're going to want to make love after that? Personally, if I ate all of that, there would be only one sexual position I would want to have afterwards. And that would be what I would call dead dog. Dead dog is not a sexy thing. Dead dog means lying on the floor with my legs in the air like a dead dog or a cockroach, really. Think about it. Dead roach would be better. Because I just can't move. Because I feel like I'm nine months pregnant. And if you ask me to do anything remotely energetic, I'm going to vomit all over you. So, if your plans for Valentine's Day lead into that you would like to have some hot sex after, then maybe forego this giant steak, baked potato, apple pie dinner, and instead do something light and energetic and healthy. Like you could go to a Japanese restaurant, you could have some sushi if you like that and they like that, some sashimi if everyone likes that, You could have a steak. You could have a great grilled Japanese steak with some vegetables, a little more light and healthy, maybe some chilled sake. And then in an hour or two, you would be quite ready for whatever it is that you need your energy for. Or you could have that juicy steak you're talking about. But instead of having it with a baked potato, skip the gorgonzola sauce Skip, skip all the mountains of butter. Just have a great grilled steak. Method like a chimichurri, something lighter. And then instead of the baked potato, have it with a nice big, uh, big giant floret of broccoli. Do you know if you have the protein and the veggies, it really kind of goes right through you. It doesn't clog you up. Not to get too literal, but it's when you have that giant baked potato and the sour cream with the steak that you're screwed. And instead of having that big giant slab of apple pie, skip dessert, go for a long walk after, maybe like an hour later, go to some romantic place for an after-dinner drink and have some sorbet. Sorbet is very cleansing and healing and refreshing and not heavy. And you will be right and ready, I would say, two hours after dinner to have all the hot sex you want to have. You had your protein, you had your vegetables, you had a little bit of sugar, a little after-dinner drink. Time to get down and boogie. Think about it. So, I would say, for me, I've always put a little too much pressure on Valentine's Day and very often kind of ruined a good situation with all that pressure. 
so I don't like to have the ulterior motive. I don't like to say this dinner must lead to sex. I'd much rather say, how can I make this person happy? And part of how can I make them happy is how can I also help them feel good? So I don't want them to be terribly ill at the end of the meal or feel like they're nine months pregnant. So I'm going to have a little sip of Hennessy. No tequila, no cavassier. I'm going Hennessy. But I'm not going to drink it with Coca-Cola, let some friends of mine do, because I think that's disgusting. Like, why would you dump Hennessy in Coca-Cola? It's a delicious, delicious cognac. And then you dump it in Coca-Cola. I just feel that's wrong. But if you'd like to drink Hennessy and Coca-Cola, more power to you. So, I think personally, if you want to take me out for Valentine's Day, I would love to have a gorgeous steak. But I don't want to have it be so heavy that I can't move after and I have to revert to the dead dog or dead roach position. And I'd also love to be taken out to a Japanese restaurant, but I personally, if you took me out to the Japanese restaurant and you ordered sushi, you'd be out of luck because I hate sushi. Probably because I cut up raw fish so much for a living. I do have a great appreciation appreciation that came from the Hennessy already. I'm already getting schnockered on three sips of Hennessy. I'm so tough, hardcore lesbo. Anyway, when I grew up, I always wanted to try this thing called steak because I'd seen it on TV and I'd heard about it. I'd heard rumors that it could be pink on the inside, that it could have this nice melted off fat, that it could have all this flavor. But the only steak I ever had growing up was what my mother made, which was like she would take some cheapo steak, like let's say a London broil or the kosher kosher London broil. I don't know if London broil is kosher, but the kosher version of London broil, I'll have to Google that. But um, like a kosher flank steak or something. And she would cook cook it till it was so dead so that you could hold it up like the way you would hold up a cookie or a cracker. It was just burnt. And then when you would cut into it, there'd be this thick layer of burnt charcoal on the outside. And the only way you could really eat it would be by drowning it in ketchup. And my mother would always say the same thing because we would always complain. You know, you you needed a whole bottle of ketchup to eat one of my mother's burnt steaks. And she would say, charcoal is good for you. I do that because I love you. And so I would always say, could you maybe not love me as much and then I could have a steak that wasn't so burnt? I mean, for crying out loud, you know? So now I just love having a steak. I used to be able to have one that was rare, but then I started dealing with raw meat for a living and now I need it medium. But I also really, really, really appreciate having a light, healthy, vegan or pescatarian meal. So if I was having a Valentine's Day supper, that I wanted it to be conducive to romance, I might just have a very light vegan or pescatarian meal, because then, you know, I'm not going to be the dead dog, dead roach, you know what I mean? So if you want to romance someone, do me a favor and don't order for them unless they ask you to and unless you know them very well. And if you're cooking for them, also make sure you know them very well. I have a wonderful, wonderful friend who I adore who wanted to make me very happy. 
And so she kept trying to pick up lunch for me because I work really, really hard when I do work. Right now I'm not working because I'm on vacation. I'm allowed to do that, you know, once in a while. Anyway, so she wanted to make me really happy. And so she knew that I didn't eat pork because I don't want my Jewish mother to break through the ceiling and kill everyone. And she knew that I didn't eat shellfish for the same reason. So she went out and she and she knew that I was allergic to gluten, like I said. Very difficult. You got to think about that if you want to date me. Very difficult. But I'm not available, by the way. I've got a very sexy Italian Catholic girlfriend that I love. But I digress. Anyway, so she knew all that. So she went out and she got me a turkey and cheese sandwich on a gluten-free wrap. She was so proud of herself. And she got herself... Um, I think she got herself some ham and cheese sandwich or something. The problem is that I don't eat my meat and cheese together because I was raised kosher. And even though I'm not kosher anymore, I still am affected by my Jewish mother. And if she hadn't died, then I could ignore it. But since she died, I'm afraid to piss her off. So no. So that didn't work. So next time she decided she was really going to go an extra step and please me, really please me. And so she got me gluten-free wrap vegan with grilled vegetables and grilled eggplant and hummus. Now here's the problem. The problem is that I'm allergic to eggplant. I found that out in the 80s because half the meals I made in the 80s had eggplant. Eggplant was a big thing in the 80s. Big hair and high food and eggplant. And periodically, for no reason whatsoever, I would just throw up. And one day I said, I gotta figure out what it is I'm doing right before I throw up. If it happened a couple of years ago, I would say I just watched the news and it made me throw up. But it turned out every time that happened, it was because I had just been cooking eggplant, which meant I had just been tasting the food because I always taste when I'm cooking. And then I realized, guess what? I'm allergic to eggplant. So all of this could have been prevented if she'd known me a little better. Now she knows me very well. She knows exactly what to do. So... And I love her. So if you are preparing a romantic supper for someone, ask a lot of questions. It'll just save you later on. Are you a vegan or a vegetarian? No. Are you lactose intolerant? No. Do you like, can you eat shrimp, shellfish, allergies, issues, Jewish, Dieno, whatever? Everything is good. I eat everything. If you ever meet someone who eats everything, just go out with them immediately. Half the clients I had last year, I got I gave a better price to just because they weren't allergic to anything and they ate everything because I thought, oh my God, you're a non-issue client. Okay, I'm giving you a 20% discount right now. So by the way, if you want to call me up and have me cater your wedding or your bar mitzvah or your bas mitzvah or your, your 60th birthday party, and the first thing out of your mouth is, I eat everything, I'm allergic to nothing, well, I'm going to love you even more. But I, on the other hand, hand are, I'm a nightmare client because I'm allergic to gluten and eggplant. I don't mix my meat and my dairy. I feel weird to try pork or shellfish because of my dead Jewish mother. You know, I got like a thousand issues. But I digress. So for Valentine's Day, I wish you lots of love. I hope that you can have a wonderful meal with someone you care about. And if it's not a romantic thing, just go out with a friend because... If you have a single friend and you're single and neither one of you has plans, just go out and have a fantastic time and give the middle finger to Valentine's Day. 
you know, I'm kind of partial to that too. Screw you, Valentine's Day. You're giving us too much pressure. Anyway, this is Rossi, better known as Chef Rossi, owner and executive chef for the Raging Skillet. And as always, food is love and so are you. Now go out and get your romance on for yourself and share it with anyone you want to share it with. But remember everything I said, right? Don't get in trouble by ordering for somebody else. And call me and let me know how it is. You can always find me on Instagram, Chef Rossi NYC, or on Facebook, Chef Rossi NYC, or at theragingskillet.com. Have a fantastic day.